Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20? We're coming to the end of our series entitled, God is Making a Way for You. Just because we're coming to an end of our series doesn't mean that God can't open up new ways for you, my friend. I want you to know that. I believe that this message is a word from the Lord for a specific person. If this describes you, maybe you're a little tired and maybe you didn't even really want to come today. But I want to make you a promise that you're going to be glad you came when you understand what God says to you today. Before you leave this room, you're going to be able to say that you're glad you came. Perhaps you're overwhelmed by circumstances and disappointments in life. Maybe you've been fighting for a long time and have been contemplating even giving up. Oh, it's not that you don't believe God. It's not that you don't love Him. You just honestly don't know how much longer you can hold on. And there's another component that complicates things, and that is this idea of confusion. Perhaps you're in a situation where you don't understand why the current circumstances are the way they are. Maybe you don't understand why God let something happen in your life, and you can't quite figure it out. And the more you try to figure it out, the more confused you become and the more frustrated you become. I'm talking to somebody who loves the Lord. You've fasted and you've prayed. Church, we tell them, hold on, let go. So you're holding on and you've held on and you've, someone told you let go and so you let go and you've repented. You've repented of every known sin and even some things you don't think you did, but just in case you repented of them as well. You know what I'm talking about. You have strived to live in accordance and obedience to the word. Yet, if we could give you a picture, the picture would be you sense that the circumstances are eroding away your faith and your trust in the Lord. The picture would be if you could picture a house that's built along the side of the ocean on a rocky cliff and it's as if the water and the wind has eroded away underneath of that house and as you stand and look at it, you wonder how much longer can it stand. But can I tell you, I'm so glad that you have built your house upon the rock. Because when the winds come and the waves come, it doesn't matter how many wind or waves come. Because you have established your house upon a rock, it's going to stand. You're not going to be defeated. You're not going to lose. Everything's not going to fall apart. God is on your side. Your house has been established upon the rock. If you have that fearful feeling, I have a word from the Lord for you today. God is making a way for you. And you need to stand back and watch. Tell the person next to you, just step back and watch. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat got word that the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mennonites were invading the land to attack them. In fact, they were just down the road from them at that very time. The Bible says that the king was alarmed that he was concerned. So Jehoshaphat did what you have done in times of trouble. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. That was the first place that he went to. And you know, I know that I'm talking to some people today who when trouble comes, the very first thing you do 
is you call upon the Lord. Whenever a difficult times come, you call out to the Lord because you, like the psalmist, are able to say, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. I'm talking to some people who you don't just pray. You have a network of people who you call. Whenever difficult times come, whenever you get a bad report, the first thing you do is you get on the phone to mom. Thank God for moms who pray. Amen. The first thing you do is you get on the phone to dad. You say, dad, I want you to pray. Maybe some of you, you call the pastor and you call the prayer chain and you got that friend and you ask them, will you stand with me? If you call my house, not my house, it's my parents' house. A lot of times you'll get mom later. Where's mom? Oh, she's upstairs. What were you doing, mom? Oh, I was upstairs in my room praying. She was upstairs in her room praying for one of her kids or one of her grandkids and the challenges that they've gone through. But can I tell you that we've seen again and again, we've served that prayer changes things. It's not a cliche. Listen to me. It's not a stinking cliche. It's not something that's on a bumper sticker. You have experienced it. I'm talking to somebody who knows it's real. No one can take away what you have experienced, how when you've prayed, when you've called on the Lord, he's heard you and he's answered you again and again and again and again. That's who I'm talking to. If that's not you, I don't know. But there's somebody here who that's what God is saying. There's somebody here who in difficult times, you call on the Lord. Jehoshaphat just didn't inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast. And the people from all over Judah gathered at the temple to seek help from the Lord, the scripture says. Then he began to pray. And as he began to pray, he praised the Lord for all that the Lord had done. He recounted in the past the times that God had heard them. He recounted in the times in the past when God had answered them. In the midst of it, he reminds the Lord of his promises to them. And he finishes his prayer by saying, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Have you ever been in that circumstance where you said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you? Lord, my faith is towards you. My focus is upon you. As I read that, I thought of that pattern sounded familiar to me. I know a pastor in New Holland who resolved to inquire of the Lord. He called a fast and he gathered the people together to seek help from the Lord. He prayed and he praised the Lord for all that he'd done. Then he reminded the Lord of all of his promises. And you know what? I've not seen one of his promises ever fail. I have not seen one of his promises, friend. You know, in scripture, you you read that scripture, Lord, not one of your promises has ever, ever failed. So we remind God of his promises to us. That prayer sounded familiar. Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. I was eager to see what happened and what God did for Jehoshaphat because I want to know what he's going to do for that guy in New Holland. Huh? I want to know what he's going to do for that guy in New Holland. I want to know what he's going to do for that lady in New Holland. What is God going to do? Join with me in reading 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matanah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. 
Let's stop right there. I'm telling you, it's about time for the Spirit of the Lord to come upon somebody. I said it's time for the Spirit of the Lord to come upon somebody in this house. And why don't you tell him, Lord, your spirit's going to come on somebody. Let it be me. Lord, you're looking for somebody to pour out your spirit on. Let it be me. Lord, you're going to anoint somebody. Let it be me. Lord, you're going to empower somebody. Let it be me. Lord, you're going to fill somebody. Let it be me. Lord, you're going to use somebody. Let it be me. Lord, you're going to flow through somebody. Let it be me. If that's you, would you just take 10 seconds and just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, let your spirit come upon me now. Lord, we just ask right now in this moment that your spirit would be poured out upon us. Hallelujah. Listen, when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he stood and he spoke. He was anointed to speak the word from the Lord. But when the Spirit comes upon you, you need to move under that anointing. Not everyone is going to be anointed to prophesy. Sometimes we think that for God's Spirit to come upon me, i got to say something. No, not necessarily. God's Spirit can come upon you and some will pray. And they'll pray for the sick and they will be healed. For some people, God, His Spirit will come upon them and they will give and the need will be met. For some other people, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon them and they'll teach the Word and people will hear and learn and understand. Some others, the Spirit of God will come upon them to do work. When they built the temple, the anointing of the Spirit came upon two men as they built the temple and God anointed them. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you with wisdom. See, there are situations in our community, in your workplace, where people don't know what to do. But what's needed is a spirit of the Lord comes upon somebody and they speak a word of wisdom and solve the problem. See, God's anointing is just not for in the church pew. All right? God's anointing does not just hang out for like 45 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half in church. His spirit is available. His anointing is available for every part of our ordinary everyday life. And so when his spirit comes upon you, because his spirit is going to come upon you. Some of you, the spirit of God is going to come upon you and you're going to be a peacemaker. You're going to make peace. There's difficulties. It's ready to blow up and God's anointing will come upon you and you will speak words of peace or words of comfort or words of wisdom. But his spirit is coming upon somebody. For some of you, his spirit will come upon you and you'll testify and the sinner will repent. But friend, we need to walk in step with the Spirit. Well, verse 15, the Spirit of the Lord came upon this man and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Number one, don't be afraid or discouraged. This is what the Lord says to you. This same command will be repeated two verses later. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. They were not to be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army. Why don't you go ahead and fill in the blank that applies to your life? You're not to be afraid or discouraged because of. This is what the Lord says to you. He says, don't be afraid or discouraged because of the doctor's report. Don't be afraid or discouraged because your car broke down. 
Don't be afraid or discouraged because of bad news. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the choice of another person. You don't have to be afraid or discouraged about anything. Why should they not be afraid or discouraged? We find the answer in the very next portion of Scripture. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against him. They'll be climbing up the paths of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jarel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Look to the person next to you. And say, it's not your battle. battle. I do my messages at the house. And I was like, you you kind of put it together. And that is the thrust. That's the thrust of our message today. I'm not trying to be goofy, but I started listening, hearing that. It's not your battle. And like this revelation opened up in my heart for people. They're carrying heavy load. But God says, it's not your battle. It's not yours. What are you all getting all worked up about, stressed out about, upset about? That is not even your battle. It's not your battle. God's saying to somebody, that is not your battle. And he needed to hear this word. Jehoshaphat needed to hear that word. You see, God says that his grace is sufficient for us. Perhaps the reason you're so overwhelmed is because you're trying to fight battles that God never asked you to fight. Listen to me. Thus says the Lord, that is not your battle. Jehoshaphat had a problem with fighting other people's battles. Two chapters earlier, Jehoshaphat agreed to go to war along with wicked king Ahab of Israel. Okay? Uh, And we'll just go back here real quick. If you go back two chapters, Jehoshaphat, him and Ahab are connected because of marriage. He made an alliance with them. Israel and Judah are a divided kingdom. There was nobody evil like Ahab. Okay? He was an evil, evil man. And so he invites Jehoshaphat down for a cookout. All right? He kills a bunch of sheep and cattle and has this big cookout. And while they're there, he's like, hey, Jehoshaphat, you know, I was just thinking. Think about going to war with Ramoth Gilead. Are you interested in going to fight with me? And uh, John said, well, sure, yeah, I'm always up for a good fight. Yeah, let's go. He says, but let's inquire of the Lord first. And Ahab don't like inquiring of the Lord. And so Ahab says, well, I got 400 prophets. And they call the prophets. And these 400 prophets, they're ungodly men. They're speaking lies. They're telling people what they want to hear, not the truth. And they're all saying, go up. The Lord's giving them into your hands. Go up and fight them. You got it. Go ahead. And one guy makes like out of iron, he makes these horns. And he comes in, does like a illustrated prophecy kind of thing. And he brings in his horns and says, with the horns of iron, you'll gore Ramoth Gilead. And he says all this stuff. Jehoshaphat knew in his spirit something wasn't right. And he says, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we can inquire of? Yeah, there's that one guy. I don't like what he says. There's one that's still left. I want you to know there's always a remnant. 
God always has a remnant. No matter what's going on, he always has a remnant of people who are following him with all their heart. And he says, well, there's still one, but I don't like what he says to me because he never prophesies good. He never prophesies good to me. And so they go and get the guy. They bring him in and they're like, hey, listen, everybody else said go up and take it. It's yours, just so you know. And he's like, ah, you need to tell him to go ahead. And he comes in, and they say, well, you know, do you have something for the Lord? Oh, yeah, go up and get them. They're yours, champ. Go ahead, you take them. And he's like, no, tell me the truth. And he said, I saw Israel scattered as sheep without a shepherd. I saw all of Israel. He said, you need to go home. You need to go home and let the people go home. Let this alone, or you'll die. He said, in essence, a deceiving spirit has gone out from God to deceive Ahab and cause him to make war against Ramoth Gilead that he would be killed. It was a lying spirit that was inside of these false prophets. And so whenever he does this, Jehoshaphat goes out to war. As they're getting ready to go to war, King Ahab says, Hey, just for the record, on battle day, I'm thinking if you could bring your most royal robes. Don't wear like the Monday through Friday crown. Wear like the special day, the Easter crown. You know what I mean? Easter and Christmas outfit kind of thing. You bring the brightest robes that you have. For me, I'm going to kind of do it like dress down Friday. Okay? Bring the best, you know, your best horses, your fanciest chariot, kind of the blinged out one with chrome and, you know, all that. Bring out your best chariot so that everybody knows that you're a king. Now, you would think Jehoshaphat would have half a brain. Wait a minute. We're going to battle. You want me to dress up like a peacock prancing around here, and you're going to go undercover king sort of thing. Huh. But Jehoshaphat goes along, and in the midst of the battle, the other king said, you don't mess with anybody. You don't go after anybody, great or small. The only one you go to war with is the king. You don't fight with anybody else. You don't waste your time on anybody else. We have one target. So here's Jehoshaphat out there in his royal robes, in his pimped out chariot, maybe with some music blaring, you know, like Rocky blaring music going on. Yeah, let's go. He's ready to go. And he's out there. And here's King Ahab. He's undercover, hiding out. And as they go to war, the enemies begin to hone right in on Jehoshaphat. And what does Jehoshaphat do? In the midst of the battle, he does what he's always done. What you've done, he called upon the Lord. And what happened? He was really out of God's will. He had really disobeyed the Lord because he knew that God really didn't want him to go, but he still went. And as he goes, he calls upon the Lord and the Lord delivers him. Some would say by chance, but it's really not by chance. King Ahab is shot by a stray arrow. And it happens to hit him right where his armor is pierced, is placed together. And it pierces that place in his armor. He says, get me out of the battle. And he dies that night. Whenever Jehoshaphat comes back to his palace in Jerusalem, he's met by a prophet, Jehu. And the prophet says to him, what were you doing? Why are you siding with the enemies of God? So he is rebuked. But he says, you know what? There's still some good in you. He rebukes them. 
But he says they're still good in you because you have a heart to serve the Lord. I want you to know this. You have been lovingly rebuked. Look at the person next to you and say, I've been lovingly rebuked. You've been lovingly rebuked today. You've been fighting battles and taking responsibility for things that are not yours. The Lord said, the battle is not yours, but it's God. This is going to wreck the enemy's plans for your life because some of you are worn out from fighting battles that God never, ever asked you to fight. You're tired, you're frustrated, you're distracted, you're worn out. Friends, we're supposed to be living in peace. We're supposed to be walking in victory. And some of you are fighting battles that God never... Look at the person next to you. It's not your battle. (laughs) Jehoshaphat, he was fighting battles that God never, ever asked him to fight. May I suggest that you sometimes are tired and weary because of that. And here again, the Lord sent me to lovingly rebuke you and tell you that it's not your battle. Step back and watch what God will do. The next portion of Scripture says, Take your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow And the Lord will be with you. There's a lot of good stuff there to unpack. For one thing is God's going to be with you. What God wanted for Jehoshaphat, God wanted Jehoshaphat not to go and fight, but he wanted him to be his guest of honor with ringside seats. We pay 70 bucks, 80 bucks, 90 bucks to watch a pay-per-view fight. People pay 90 bucks. 80 bucks, 100 bucks to watch a pay-per-view fight. What God wanted Jehoshaphat to have was ringside seats and allow him to see him defeat his enemy. He said, all you got to do, you come with me, you stand up, you take your position, and you watch what I do. Can I say to you that sometimes God just wants you to see how glorious and powerful he really is? You're saying, wait a minute, wait, I don't want to go there. No, no, God wants to show you his glory and his power. He wants to show you his strength. He wants to show you that nothing is too hard for him. You don't get to real experience it when you see it way back. You really get to appreciate it when you're right there ringside and see what God does. This is what happened. They took their positions. They walked out. But on the way, God set ambushes amongst the people. And they turned on one another. When they get there, they've already defeated. They've already destroyed one another. And when they get there, it took Israel four days. Four days to collect the spoils. Friends, God's giving you front row seats. For some of you, it's a fight of a century. You're like, man, Lord, I don't know if I can handle this. It is not your battle. This is what my hope for you is. That the next time you start feeling stressed, that you just ask the Lord, Lord, is this the one you want me to take? Is this fight mine? Can I tell you that there's many fights that he's going to say, nah, this is my battle. This is my battle. But Lord, I want to help you. You know, a lot of times when we help God, we end up making it worse. Huh? Lord, let me help you on that one. I got some things I want to help God on. Let me help you, God. 
He says, it's not your battle. It's not your battle. Tell you what, I was like doing a Holy Ghost. I was preaching to myself in the mirror, in the living room. No one's at home. I'm there preaching. It's not your battle. I said, it's not your battle. How about amen? I'm sorry. It's not your battle, friend. There are things that you've got to go out and face. You have to walk in the midst of it. But it's not your battle. It's not your battle. God says, that's mine. I'm fighting for you. I'm going to defend you. I care for you. You're the apple of his eye, friend. He's got you. You don't have to worry about it. Don't stress about it. You kind of kick back and put up your feet. And you can even taunt the enemy, huh? Yeah, you go ahead. What are you going to say, huh? It's kind of cool when you can do that when you got like the champion right behind you. You go ahead, enemy. Say what you want to say. It's not your battle. God's fighting for you. The Lord has just taken a thousand pounds off of some of you today. He's lifted weights that were impossible for you to carry. He's lifted them off of you. Simply by the truth of his word. That the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Friend, that truth is going to revolutionize your life. And I want to say this to you. Whenever you face the next challenge, I want you just to ask him, Lord, is it my turn yet? Is that mine? There's going to be some he'll say, you go on it. You take care of that one. But I'm telling you again and again, he's our deliverer. He's our helper. He's the one who goes before us. He's our king. He's our Lord. You're his responsibility. You belong to him. He fights on your behalf. He defends you. And you're not cowardly for that. You are cared for. You're protected in him. You walk out in him and you and I live in victory because God is fighting on our behalf. Can I ask you to do this as we close? There are some things that you're carrying into this room today that God wants to affirm his word to you. But that one's not yours. That child that you're concerned about, that one's not your battle. That family difficulty, that one's not your battle. Again and again, God's going to have different things. It'll be different for all of us. But when he speaks to you today, will you simply receive the word of the Lord in your heart? There's others in this room that God is speaking to your heart. You will know exactly what he's talking about. And a lot of times it'll be the first thing that he brings to your mind. Can I pray over you? And as I pray, can we let God speak to your heart? And then can you release that to the Lord and trust him? The greatest thing that God is looking for is faith. He's looking for faith and obedience. Can you trust him to fight on your behalf? And can you leave those things in his care? Father, as we come before you today, I thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that came upon your servant when he stood And he said, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And so today, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon somebody in this room today. That you would speak to their hearts and you would give them ears to hear. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Because the battle is not yours, but God's. And he will fight for you. 
And I pray, God, that they would trust you and be obedient to walk out what you ask them to do. And as a result of it, Father, I pray that they would be able to save their energy to collect the spoils of war. That they'd be able to save their energy to brag and proclaim about our great God who's able to deliver, who's able to heal, who's able to set free, who's able to do what is impossible with man is possible with God. Lord, I pray that in the weeks ahead, I pray that this word from you would transform people's lives in the weeks ahead when they're tempted to be afraid, when they're tempted to be overcome, when they're tempted to be stressed out, And take on things that are not theirs. I pray that they would hear the word of the Lord. That the battle, it's not your battle. It's not your battle. Bless them, I pray. And lead them out in freedom and in joy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.